0: Welcome to the Trap One Podcast, I'm Mark and today I'm delighted to be joined by the team behind the brilliant 12th Doctor Fan Audios um, I'm a huge fan of this series and of the uh, Capaldi era so it, um, it sort of ticks all my boxes um, So for my guests if you'd each like to introduce yourselves and how you got involved in this series and what your role uh, on the project
1: is Um, Hi, I'm Guillaume Babet, and I am the voice of uh, the 12th Doctor as uh, interpreted by Peter Capaldi. I also make a few supporting roles and extras here and there and I've been on the project first as extras and then as the um, uh, Doctor's voice after we needed some replacement and uh, I was already acquainted with some of the team from a previous, a um, um, previous uh, project where I played mostly monsters, especially the Daleks.
0: That's cool. I didn't know until we started recording that you um, that you're actually <laughs> French. So,
1: uh, uh, oh, yes, I, uh, even more yes, impressive. Uh... I'm Swiss French. Yes, I live in the French-speaking part of Switzerland, and um, English is only my second language, but. You know, I had good teachers.
0: Fantastic. Um, my favourite movie is Highlander as well. So um, somebody who, who's kind of French doing a Scottish accent is, uh, is right in my your wheelhouse. So that's, uh, <laughs> you're uh, kind of um, Indeed. following a fine tradition of, uh, of Christopher Lambert there as well.
1: <laughs> Which is good because his father was an ambassador in Switzerland, actually. So it all fits.
2: Mm. Oh, cool.
3: Mm. Lambert was their second choice. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my turn, I guess. Uh, hi, I'm uh, James Blanchard. Uh, I'm a guest writer on the project. I wrote uh, episode five, uh, which is the, the History of Sadness. Uh, I got involved in the project. I think I knew a few people who were kind of involved already. Um, I got involved in the project, I think it was in the middle of 2019, something like that. So quite a while ago now when I wrote, when I started writing the script. Um, but I remember Andrew, who will introduce himself later, I'm sure, um, Drop me a message asking if I'd be interested. Um, it was so long ago now that I honestly can't remember an awful lot of it, but I do remember it being quite a collaborative process as we put um, put together a script for it. Um, and, yeah, uh, it's been a really interesting experience seeing it all come together. Uh, seeing people bring, bring the kind of words to life has been really rewarding and fascinating. Um, and, yeah, I already knew a few of the people involved, but it was really nice to get uh, to know actually lots of new people through it as well. Um, so, yeah, that was my contribution, really, just the one episode. But that...
2: I think it's me now, is it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Uh, hello, I go by Dylan O'Hara. That is my pen name, and uh, I am one of the composers of soundtrack for the show. Uh, also, I run. I'm the president of Arc Beetle Press, but you know who's counting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, I'm. Uh, as well as myself, we have. Uh, we have Terry Fairchild, we mm. have Thomas Hartwell, and uh, previously we have had Studio or their real name is Aaron, and uh, Jack Cadera. And, but, and they've been like less involved, but Jack is still kind of involved. So we have a whole
4: panel going on there. But I've been in, like involved in every episode from the start in a major way. And that would leave me. Um, I'm Andrew Davis. I'm the um, I'm the project lead. I've um, I'm the head writer. I wrote um five of the episodes. Um so far, that's uh, the ones released so far, that'd be um, episode one. And the um yeah, next um, episode coming up, episode six, um, um, with um, more to come down the road. Um I kind of um, yeah. Helped some um, design the art for the series um, and recruit the um, guest writers like James, and um, kind of uh, yeah, um, get them got them involved in the projects. Um, there was lots of um, <laughs> working with um, actors like Guillaume as well, so I'm um, through. i um, um, casting and then kind of um, directing for the stories as well, um, and then kind of helping out. And now I'm helping out in post production with um, Dylan and some um, by um yeah, setting up um yeah, doing my side of things in the editing, um, helping out other brilliant editors, including uh, which included um, Kevin Bernard, um, yeah, um, Patrick Lickman, i um, trying to remember everyone now, um, Ferg McDonald's, um, and Krista McTier, um, yeah, with the editing, so that the um, yeah, composers have, um, can um, work their magic with the score, basically. Um, <laughs> It's it's a whole big package deal basically but um, it's coordinating the project so that it all comes together is broadly my role.
0: Well, um congratulations on the series so far. Um it's is 5 and episodes out and some um really lovely minisodes um in between them as well which uh, uh which are great. Um and this is setting the gap between the husbands of River Song and the pilot. Um so um mm-hmm. you've got the arc of um the doctor very much grieving um for river song um through this which uh, which crops up uh, and then the arc for ella as well um which is um it's quite a unique relationship for the doctor and the companion uh, particularly after lost property uh, the fourth episode um so is that uh something that as a writer james you you're sort of given those sort of themes to to work with yeah, so I think when when I started, um,
3: I had the script that Andrew wrote for Christmas Alone, the first episode. I think yes. uh, like a character profile kind of thing for Ella, the companion as well. Um, and sort of drawing it from there, there's definite thematic um, resonance for Ella. Uh, I mean, as a character, she's just lovely to write. She's quite um, yeah. She's quite moody, which I love. She can be, she can be quick and quick to run, quick to run to cynicism in her less charitable moments, which is just, it's, it's, it's nice to write uh, as a, especially in the world of Doctor Who, which can sometimes be um, so uncynical. It's sort of nice to have a character who can peel back the peel back the face of it a little bit and see things quite clearly. Um, so yeah, there's definite. Um, Ella was a very fu- fully formed character uh, in. Andrew's original script for me, oh. I definitely picked up. There was a feeling of a, uh, you know, there's a, a a very much a theme in the whole thing of kind of grief and loss, and that's a sort of common mm. ground between her and the doctor actually. Um, so yeah, it was quite a it was quite a start. There wasn't much me thinking, oh gosh, what kind of theme am I going to have to write around these characters to make them work? <laughs> it was sort of the the notion that it was the story was going to be about grief, uh, kind of came came immediately from the material that was at hand um the story uh the episode i wrote as well that was kind of quite collaborative as well i think i had a certain i had not to not to go into spoilers but i think i had a certain idea idea of the kind of instigating and instigating actions and the backgrounds of the mm-hmm. character and drew they uh uh pushed you know uh mentioned some other some other aspects as well as backgrounds, and we managed to kind of knit these mm-hmm. these together into a uh into a into a, into a background that worked very well, uh, and I hope, uh, sort of, uh, brought Ella into some of those three dimensions, uh, that she can walk around in. Um, so yeah, that was very interesting, uh, thematically kind of rich, uh, and also it's sort of nice to be able to not have to, in some ways when you're writing something like this, I suppose there's a sense that, something that has to be officially licensed Doctor Who has to be mm-hmm. bound by certain expectations for mm-hmm. what kind of themes you're allowed to discuss. Um, whereas mm-hmm. in this sort of medium, there's a little bit more freedom not to just say whatever you want, but to perhaps bring up things that you wouldn't necessarily expect a show like Doctor mm-hmm. Who's go for, which I hope came across kind of well in the one that I wrote. So yeah, it was a really good, uh, really good process.
0: So and, and Andrew the OCLella's backstory is so kind of mm-hmm. uh, ripped from the headlines and, and so topical for for everything that's going on at the moment um, <laughs> more probably kind of hard hitting than you get on the TV series I guess um, mm. or certainly so far um, uh, how did you come up with her sort of backstory and situation that the doctor finds her in
4: um gosh there's um it's I mean it's a mix of um so I, I knew I wanted to tell a story about a companion who um, has drifted out of the world. You know, um, is I, I think I said in the pitch for Christmas alone, The first episode um, is falling out of the world. Essentially, is falling out of the world and is disconnected. You know, politically from it at the start of her journey and through. You know, like she's um, closed herself off emotionally um, due to the loss of her mother as. Um, happened in Christmas alone, um, as is discussed in Christmas alone. Um, and I explored further in the history of sadness. That's not going into too deep in spoilers. Um, I know James just wanted to not give too much away, but I don't think that's giving too much away. Um, and yeah, due to those things, she's shut herself off emotionally and um, due to her own sense of, um, yeah, um, yeah, her own insecurities due to, Um, her experiences in the education system she's um, struggled um, and yeah she's when we we meet her she's working a dead end job in McDonald's too she's not um, feeling much in the way of hope in life Um, and I want to tell a story of someone who um, through meeting the doctor um, and going through the adventures she'd go through with him would um, slowly come to connect more with the world find that there are ways she can make a difference in that world and come see the worth in herself and Um, discover that there's life after grief, there's ways to connect with other people again. I think, you know, once I pitched those themes, once I pitched that that's what Ella was about, ideas from other writers came in and kind of fed into that um, story arc, basically. Um, I think um, Tori, who wrote episode two, for example, um, put it rather beautifully, the way she built... um, the world's um, track, Magalat, the world that um, Ella goes to for her first. Ella and the Doctor go to for Ella's first alien planet. She um, built that out of those um, themes and out of um, Ella's character, kind of flinty world. We, um, the flinty difficult world we get in that one, where Ella starts to kind of see injustice and try to find ways to make a difference in that world, and the way that um, the Doctor and Faustina, um, the character that um, they meet in that episode. Um, yeah, kind of show her that she can make a difference. Um, and then yeah, kind of um yeah, that kind of fed into um other episodes like yeah, other ones we've done so far. Episode five as well. Um James took um, the themes of Ella's grief, of um her um insecurities in terms of um the housing insecurity she's going through when we um uh, yeah, as a yeah, as of the end of episode four. Um, and just Ran with them. It's um. It was a case of me, and I think it was it was like James says, a collaborative thing of um, like me seeing James's pitch for the episode, which was essentially after Ella sees the doc after Ella sees her mother's ghost um, on the TARDIS. Um, the Doctor takes her on a tour of the history of her sadness, um, from um, far future Saturn to um, ancient Sparta to um, try and untangle, untangle the mystery, um, basically. And um, that was just such... Fertile, it was clear to me that that was fertile ground to just kind of um, explore what was going on um, with Ella at this specific point in the season. Um, it was kind of one of those things where the episode orders came from the pitches to a certain degree. It was very obvious to me that after Ella had been through what she goes through in episode four... Um, Episode 5 was the perfect place to kind of explore Ella's grief and um, loss further and dig into that a bit more and um, get her to open up to the Doctor about some things that she hadn't yet opened up to him about. Um, Some of which, and this is where I I myself will be getting into talking around spoilers, are things that um, she hasn't told the doctor yet and some and, and um, those came from James I think um and his pitch for the episode um it was um, I originally had my own ideas for that specific part of Ella's backstory that you see in Christmas line, but then James had an idea that um for it but just kind of turned it on its head, and I thought, okay, so. Actually, no, the backstory in Christmas alone, that changes. Ella lies in Christmas alone. That makes much, much more sense because what James did with it in episode five, yeah, it just hits a lot harder when you realise, actually, no, that wasn't the true story there. That was Ella lying. Um, it's, and that was one of the joys of kind of writing the, this project and kind of collaborating on Ella's story with a lot of people is you just discover new things about the character. I think, and um, new way, and um, yeah, and that kind of opens up a much more interesting story, I think, for the characters. I guess,
3: and and equally, having Ella be sort of predisposed towards that um, sort of yeah it was, it was grief and loss anyway it was very was very very helpful to try and write a story like that in the first place. Um, it mm-hmm. means there's no sort of having to contrive thing, you know, contrive things that have happened to her or contrive a backstory or Bring up things that hadn't been mentioned before. She was she was already kind of predisposed to that, and that already existed. So it made my it made it a lot easier for me to write the kind of the story that I would like. I I wanted to write in that instance, which was uh, kind of following the history of that character's sadness, I suppose. So that was that that worked really well. They just sort of um, married up very beautifully.
0: I hadn't really thought about it until you said that. But that is quite a Capaldi era. Um, that uh, both Bill and Clara have lost their mothers um, mm-hmm. so it's sort of in keeping with that it's like the Russell T Davis thing, the companions all have quite strong um, kind of overbearing yeah. kind of uh, mothers and then um, yeah, Moffat writes it much more about the kind of uh, absence uh, in a way, because uh, even Amy um, was as she initially has lost her parents and then um don't don't really feature much i guess after they're returned or or at all at that point so it's uh, yeah it's kind of a contrast between the those first two eras of the new series isn't it and but yeah very much in in keeping now um and and dylan at what point do you start to sort of compose the music is that um like when you see the script or is it more when you sort of heard the the dialogue uh, just for just practically, you can't really start scoring a scene until the scene one hundred percent exists because you you need to know the timings <laughs> for everything.
2: Uh, I remember the first episode it worked out basically okay that when once we had the rough cuts, I didn't have to wait for the SFX cuts. But like the second episode, I just had no idea what the timings were going to be in the end, so I just had to like hang on and go back and work on the ones that we had. But uh, at this rate, uh, the SFX cuts are like so far ahead of me and the team that like that it's never an issue of me waiting. it's yeah. it's it, uh, a lot a lot of like the tail end of the production cycle is just myself and the rest of the other composers like working through what's already like packaged and ready Be, uh, because
4: you know it takes a while to write work of music. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we are very appreciative of it too it's something um, they, they I mean, the composers they they literally just take, Um, nothing in terms of score and turn it into the whole flipping orchestra of, you know, sound. And it's like just a whole original soundtrack and it's beautiful. Um, I'm, you know, like, I've... I've listened to my share of fan audios to see what other people are doing, and understandably, a lot of what other people do, or um, you know, is um, you know, take pre-existing Doctor Who soundtracks and use them, which is yeah, yes. and that's no, you know, disrespect to those people. That's a very valid thing to do, you know. Yes, this stuff takes time. It takes see a lot a few of time. Weeks, Yeah. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it it does make me appreciate so much what Dylan and Flynn and Terry and the rest of the crew have done next. They've got a really original and fresh soundtrack for the show, and it gives it a lovely, distinct identity. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm thrilled, because
2: from... uh, I think all of my work for the show has been pretty strong, but I also feel that I've gotten a lot better from episode one through to episode five. And it's been like a real pleasure to like improve in that way. And it's just really hone the craft where like now it's some, I consider composing to be one of the main things that I do. Whereas previously it was like a hobby that I tinkered away at from time to time. Hmm. Yeah, I can... I can go through some of the details about the score if people would be interested in that because I took notes. We would absolutely. Yes. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about Terry's contribution to it because ter- this is this episode five is a little bit more Terry in terms of runtime than it is me. Terry, uh, Terry kind of did the lion's share of the work, so I want to shout shout that out because they're uh, they're very, they're very intelligent they're very uh sophisticated in the craft of it like uh just figuring out different different kind of sound palettes for different uh environments and settings like the tardis scenes using exclusively analog synths which is a type of synthesizer that uh it uses analog circuits to to make the to to it makes the sounds electronically using analog circuits and usually this is like a physical device but like this kind of like brick type thing and like you turn the little dials and like the appeal of it is that it's very physical. Uh, I believe that uh, I believe that toys are uh, like software uh, rather, but like it's still like it making it, it's still making that sound basically and 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 then in uh we go to Saturn. We were saying that we were going to Saturn. And uh, Aaron, aka Studio Gallifrey, Aaron was interested in the idea of having that be mm. kind of like in the style of 80s Doctor Who, especially Earthshock. So we were both kind of tooling around with uh, with, with with kind of synthscapes for that. And uh, I just sort of picked whatever keyboards sounded cool to me. Uh, the ter- ter- Terry kind of got more specific with it and went with e- e- exclusively FM synths, which is when you like ch- change the frequency. It's uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little jargony just so that I'm not just. No, I just talk to her It's always about jargon. And yeah, something. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll do my David Towns points. I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying the. I'm enjoying the jargon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, the FM sense, which means that the frequency is modulated, which changes the waveform. That's how we'll defeat the Daleks.
5: It sounds like a Sega Genesis. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yes, you'll be hearing some Sega Genesis-type sound fonts on on your Saturn scenes. Uh, oh, and- so that-
1: yeah that's why i'm sorry to interrupt you but that's why during the satan scenes i had a bit of a of an um vintage video game feeling it's yeah <laughs> oh.
2: yeah yeah especially the big spacewalk scene it was like dr- yeah. drawing with that kind of like classic style yeah because terry terry is currently writing a soundtrack for a video game and like that's that's a big part of what they're into and uh mm. yeah and like for for uh we said that it goes to ancient Greece, right? We can say that. Yes. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. That's that's like the second half of the episode. Which, by the way, uh, if I can like just praise James for a while, is just like mm-hmm. beautifully conceived because it's yeah. like specifically a story that I'm not going to say only Doctor Who can do it, but it's just like a very difficult thing to kind of justify in any context other than Doctor Who, where space travel and time travel are done all the time that you can just like casually have and the back half of the story be in ancient Greece and the audience will just be like, okay, yes, and, like, <laughs> take advantage of that and, like, they're all thematically connected in, like, really substantial ways and, like, the way that we did this is that, like, we have musical themes and motifs that kind of bridge the two halves but, like, the we figured out a completely different palette for the ancient Greek parts, the parts set in that uh, setting, uh, which, which is, like, a string section and harps and flutes and clarinets and a lyre and a tambourine. So, there. So, uh, and like that's that's again mostly Terry having more technical knowledge about orchestration uh, than I do that, that like really brought it through. And like I was able to just kind of like follow the lead on that, and that made my music better. So. So that really worked out really well and that's that's what i mean when i say that terry did did the lines share on this episode both in terms of the runtime and in terms of like the concepts just really doing a lot of the groundwork and i was able to follow from there uh that i I, but i will say that uh the main theme as it were for this episode is grace's theme and I don't think I'm allowed to say who Grace is, but suffice to say that she's important and she's played by Riley Silverman, who some of you mm-hmm. at home may know. Mm-hmm. She's... Uh... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. Andrew, do you
4: want to big up Riley Silverman for two seconds? Um, Riley Silverman, fabulous. Um, trans actor, comedian. Um, yeah, if, if you um, know her through fandom, you may know her for um, playing the Doctor in... Um, the um uh, um the game of Rassilon. play role play series game of wrestling oh, yes yeah, yeah. um which is honest um if i had to recommend another doctor who fan podcast for a moment it, i would really recommend checking that out it's um mm-hmm. it's like i said if if you've um ever listened to um an actual play um podcast like um Critical Role or The Adventure Zone, something like that. Um, This is, um, yeah, this is the Doctor Who version of that, um, which is, you know, one of the more original takes on a Doctor Who fan audio that I've come across. Um, Almost all of the cast, um, Ben, the GM, Ben Padden, Michael Nixon, the engineer, who also um, voices a lot of the guest characters on that podcast, and Dan Peck, who plays Travis Killian, um, the companion for the um, first three seasons of the show, um, as well as Riley, have all um, guested now at this point um, in various episodes with a couple more um, appearances later in the series to come. Um, they're all fabulous actors, um, and they were really lovely to work with on 12FA as well. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, Riley specifically. And yeah, like the that podcast as a whole is just, it's um, it's stunningly inventive set of Doctor Who stories. You know, lots of original ideas. When they bring in like the old favourites, they almost always have a new take on them. Um, they know how to do the thing that makes actual play podcasts magic, which is they can just improvise and just be effortlessly funny and also be um, really genuinely hit you hard with the, you know, moving moments as well. And um as storytelling, you know, like as Doctor Who story concepts, you know, for each of their um sessions, really, really original stuff. Um and yeah, um Riley specifically, because <laughs> that's what Dylan teed me up to that's who Dylan yes. teed me up to praise. She's magnificent. She's a real star in this episode. Um yeah, like I, I love her as the um doctoring game of Rassalon. Um yeah, she has the ability to improv Doctor Who um, Doctor speeches that are better than um, a lot of the like ones written in the show, I think, and that's um, no mean feat. Um, as Grace in this episode, she's um, she brings just a wonderful energy to it. Just every line read is very, very fresh and very and surprising. And um, yeah, she's and. She's a joy to work with. She plays beautifully off the other cast members. Insofar as you know, that's a thing when everyone records remotely. But it's um mm-hmm. like genuinely the way that her recordings bounce off those of the other character actors. Um yeah, are a joy. Um yeah, no. Um, it was a real pleasure getting to work with her on this. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and yes, and in general, I'd like to give a shout out to the whole Game of Thrones crew. Really, because they're a lovely bunch and very talented. Yeah, I second that.
0: I'll put a link in the yeah. in the show notes to that podcast as well. Um, Excellent, thank, thank you. So, just a couple of yeah. things uh, from from what you said there. The the eighties thing um, on uh, episode five, I, I totally picked up on the music there. It really really took yeah. me back to the Peter Davison era um, of those sort I'm of glad. like TARDIS in peril kind of scenes, um, <laughs> yeah, uh,
5: <laughs> The kind of
0: Castrovalva and stuff. Uh, and also what you said about um, um, the um, the section uh, where they travel back to ancient greece um is i thought it was a brilliant uh, myth makers homage in there as well which um which i absolutely loved because uh, i love the myth makers so uh, yeah that was uh, that was very well done as well james
4: Myth, myth, because it's just glorious. It's one of those stories. That can, can they please rediscover it? It's, it's, it's the one. It's the top of my wish list. I think it's, it's, it's vaulted ahead of uh, Marco Polo. I think for me, um.
0: I think. I think there's got to be. It's a funny story, and there's probably so much more, so many more kind of visual mm. gags and looks and things in it as well. Mm. that will just really raise it up if, if we could watch it. Mm. Mm. <laughs> And Bjorn, when, when did you discover you could do a uh, Peter Capaldi impersonation? Do you sort of do impersonations generally, or is, it, is that um what you know?
1: Well, I've been impersonating since I was a child because, you know, I, um, <laughs> um, I'm sorry to further the cliché, but I'm an only child, so I would talk to myself a lot and, of course, repeat what I saw on TV. So I would often, you know, uh, impersonate Looney Tunes or Tex Avery characters um, so even can you do Daffy hard. Duck? <laughs> that's very really hard, especially now because I had a double tooth extraction. So oh, good. damn. Now I'm still okay. feeling a bit numb. Mm. Uh, but I can still do a bit of Sam, you know, um, and the, uh, the red headed cowboy. <laughs> you, Varman! <laughs> 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 uh, but, um no, so and i've uh, I've been doing theater since I was um about uh, 11 or 12 uh, always um on um, on an amateur um, respect but you know I've been I've been an actor for um, you know almost 15 years now and Um, I have a few French friends who are big, big Doctor Who fans. They are actually the ones who introduced me to the franchise not so long ago, actually, um, uh, uh, around the 50th anniversary special in 2013. And uh, we all witnessed... Nine years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I already feel old enough. (laughs) um, And so we all watched the first um, Series 8 episode uh, together with my French friends. And uh, we fell in love with Peter Capaldi's version. He really became our doctor. And I looked him up and I realized that I've already seen him in a few uh, movies and TV episodes, mainly an episode of Poirot. Where he played a red herring, um, a very funny one. Uh, that episode is as old as me, by the way. And, and so I've tried to um, impersonate him, you know, as a, as a pastime. And my 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 French friends wanted me to record a few things. And then there was that um older previous project where I first auditioned as the doctor and ended up as the Daleks know, which isn't isn't bad at all and uh, now I've know, <laughs> I've upgraded to to the main role <laughs> so that's how that's how it happens mm.
0: fantastic uh,
1: but yeah the um, uh, Peter Capaldi's voice is very distinctive uh especially as the doctor where he is a bit um more uh is a bit lower than his usual voice and we don't look alike at all, you know. He is uh, <laughs> a tall, tall and lanky man with a thin face, and I'm the complete opposite. And so, when I record, I first of all I try to look, you know, uh, to listen to his voice uh, for quite a while to, to get in the right mindset to to be accurate in terms of sound. And afterwards, I try to, in a way, facially mimic. His uh, way of articulating. Uh, so, for example, very you know, um, very protonate, you know, with a very forward jaw and exposing teeth, and that's that's how I manage to find the right speech and the right articulation. But you know, I have to make a lot of mistakes and Andrew Andrew has been very patient. I thank about a
4: Wow. it's it's uh, yeah i've um i've got a lot <laughs> um Gilm's takes are always a delight um it's <laughs> just yeah you listen through and i mean one just the professionalism on show is always staggering like that you will get a lot of takes of every line getting every possible inflection to really nail it and that's um always a delight um and you'll always um Yeah, and and every now and then he'll just he'll just stop and you know because there's a plane flying overhead and do a little commentary on the plane flying overhead, which just (laughs) it just (laughs) lightens up. Or or occasionally he'll just slip into something else and he'll do an impression of Pete Scobli doing the We've Got Trouble. Thing from um, <laughs> <the hotel. laughs> I did that. <laughs> 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 the, <laughs> that. The recording of that exists somewhere, I think, still. Um, It's probably on <laughs> one, just on a Discord server now because I shared it with some friends. So it's going to some of the folks on it because it's um, it, it just, yeah. Um, yeah, but it's. Um, <laughs> It just gave me a bit of joy. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. For people um, who don't know, the we got we've got trouble thing is from
2: the hotel. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, a kind of comedy movie where Peter Capaldi I think runs the hotel. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I would describe it as good. They, they no. have a they have a character who's meant to be like a John McClane yeah, Parody, but they cast him as Paul McGann. <laughs> which, yeah. And it's nice to have Paul McGann in this movie, but he's not Bruce Willis. This is a strange use of form again. But, but, you know, all around, like an enjoyable time because when it's
4: funny, it's funny, funny. And when it's not funny, it's funny. Yeah, it's yeah. also got Bradley Walsh, Keely Hawes. It's just a who's who of British actors, many whom have been, many of whom have been in Doctor Who or been Doctor Who, and um, um, yeah, it's it's and so it's fun as a curiosity. It's not like like Dylan says, it's not good, but it's it's a great time. I, I, I blissed bliss out watching it. Um, yeah.
0: So I haven't heard of this. it's, yeah. a, it's a movie called The Hotel.
2: It's called Hotel,
4: Hotel Exclamation Mark. Exclamation mark. <laughs> right. yeah, I think it's a TV movie. Yes, <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, I need to um, look for this. But yes, going back to Guillaume's, yeah, wonderful work. I mean, like, um, other recordings that exist out there that will hopefully be making their way into the world's um, one day. Um, <laughs> good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, no, it's okay. It's good. It's nice. Um, this is for like episode seven um, when it comes out because um, Guillaume plays like like you said he plays many many roles in this series um, quite a few roles um, some minor he's got quite a major role in episode seven that isn't the doctor um, and it's really remarkable he plays a French um, pirate captain um, I won't I won't tease anymore for now but it's it's going to be very fun um, mm-hmm. and yeah he's, he's probably properly swash swashbuckling and heroic and all sorts of things and it's great um, mm-hmm. but there's just um a, a, yeah. Um, a delightful moment where like it's just Guillaume speaking. It's as the doctor speaking to um the pirate <laughs> captain. Um, but like honestly, if I didn't know it, I I don't think I'd be able to tell. It's the like skill mm-hmm. in which she does the two voices is remarkable. It's um yeah, like, they're just such distinct performances and characters and the way he voices them, and, like, he's nailing 12 at this point, having, you know, been doing it for a while, and the um, pirate captain is, you know, a completely distinct character into himself, and it's, yeah, it's another a joy. Um, we've mm. really lucked out with a wonderful lead in so
1: that's, that's a big compliment, and I'm very thankful
0: the the series so far has followed like a bit of a sort of traditional modern series, um, mm. like from series one in terms of introducing a companion on kind of contemporary Earth and then showing them the future, the past, uh, and then taking them home, uh, kind of you know to so they, they they see their old life again, but you know through through kind of new eyes a little bit. It's um, what what kind of uh, where where do you go from here? Is it does it sort of follow that or uh, what basically what what sort of stories? We've got coming up to um, to whet the listeners' appetite.
4: So, um, yes, we've got lots of um, wonderful stuff coming up. Um, yeah, we've got. Um, it's still going to like follow the series, um, you know, the new series structure in terms of we've got um, a big two-part finale coming up that um, kind of pays up for all the character arcs and the very loose plot arc that we sort of threaded <laughs> through the thing. Um, it's not, you know, like yeah, the plot arc is not a complex thing. It's, you know, I, for me, you know, New Who it's, New Who arcs at their best are the ones that, you know, focus on the characters and kind of drive their arcs through the series and kind of give room for the plots themselves to be kind of within the um, individual episodes. Um, so I really wanted this to, like, let the guest writers like James um, shine and show off their considerable talents. Um, yeah, but um, yes, no. In terms of what those stories have to offer... Um, My next one um, is called "The Time Lord's Tale." It's um, a riff on the um, Canterbury Tales, um, yeah, and my love of medieval literature, broadly speaking. (laughs) Um, It's um, memories. Yeah, it's my chance to kind of experiment and explore my um, yeah, just kind of some yeah, weird, um, just the weird ideas that were bubbling in away in my brain at the time, and. Yeah, I think um, yeah, that was, um, that was great fun to write. And having listened to the recordings, I think it's coming together really beautifully. Christa um, McTyre's has sound edited that one and done a sterling job. Um, we've got, like I said, Piratical Adventures on the High Seas, um, where the Doctor and Ella um, discover a, um, a town um, back in the um, 1700s that should be fictional but seemingly is real. Um, we've got episode eight, um, where um, the, the doctor um, needs Ella to um, help him in a very unusual heist, um, to go undercover on her own in an unusual heist in a call center staffed by Uge, um, where um, the thing she has to steal is the doctor. Um, and yeah, um, the last of the, um, guest episodes before we go into the finale arc, um, is about, how would I put this one? Um, it's about, it's set in the far future in a world that seems to have solved all, um, of its environmental, um, it seems to have been on the brink of environmental, a world called Bidafor, which has seems to have been on the brink of environmental catastrophe that seems to have solved all those problems. And um, the only question, as capitalism still seems to be running on that world, is at what cost? Um, yes, then we've got another, yeah, the last three of my stories. Um, and yes, the second of those is the um, two-part finale. Um, second and third episodes of those are the two-part finale which um, I will like to keep a lid on for now. Um, but the one before that sees um, Ella finally um, returning home to her brother. Um, we see things, um, the brother who she um, yeah, left behind um, on Earth and who she'd fallen out of touch with, and sees her and him trying to reconnect, and we learn what's been going on. And in many ways, it's a slice of life story told mostly from his perspective, as um, we see him trying to live an ordinary life as his sister, who he discovers has been um, going on adventures through time and space, um, in the time she's been away, um, as comes crashing back into his life. So... um, yeah, those are the um those are the um episodes we have coming up and yeah i'm very excited for all of them um the writers who worked on them um have done some really stunning work there's lots of really great performances from guest actors that i can't wait to bring to life and of uh, the sound editing and music that's been done on them so far it's sounding really great so yeah I think there's some really cool stuff we've got coming up.
0: Well, um, I'd highly recommend um, the the series to, to anybody that hasn't heard it yet. Um, is my favourite kind of modern era Doctor, so uh, yeah, any um, any kind of new stories. And as I said, I think they're really kind of in keeping with that TV year as well. Um, particularly, I think the, the most recent three stories have done really clever time travel. Um, mm-hmm. Stories and ideas that you know don't think have, have been seen before in Doctor Who, which is uh, obviously quite a feat as well mm-hmm. because <laughs> it's been going so long, and, and time travel is such an integral part of it. Um, and is, is that something that was kind of part of the brief as well to um, to put some kind of timey wimey stuff in, or is that uh, is it the, the writers just kind of came up with those?
4: I think those were more just um, the writers and their um, ideas coming through there at some it's the Capaldi era, it's the Moffat era. If you like that, if that's kind of the thing you're keyed into, I think there's um, a degree to which when you're a fan of that era and you're writing, you know, your own interpretation of it, um, that's there's always a higher chance that a decent volume of those stories are going to come through. Um, we've got some more stories that do the Moffat era tricks, on um, of like, playing with um, narrative structure and that's um a bit of what I've got going on in episode six. Um, we've got Ones that do again play with time travel again. There's a bit more of that in episode nine as well, um, and they just kind of experiment with the form and structure of the series. And um, yeah, like I said, we've got a lot of that in our heist episode as well. So yeah, it's I think it's just built into the way that um, I think Moffat fans are wired somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's yeah, so it's definitely come through in a strong way in the series. But um,
3: yeah, I'm glad to keep it yeah. in the spirit of the mm-hmm. era it's playing in. I think. And in my, in my sense, that was sort of to take, I think, sort of listen the girl who died in oxygen and sort of put them in one of those shopping channel blenders and kind of process <laughs> it all together. Um, but yeah, so I think there's definitely, at least when I was writing it, there was definitely a sense of, I would like this to feel like it's it's its own thing, but also speaking to, in tune with, the broader era of the show that it's talking about, responding to, and... Sort of making a bit of a claim, claim to want to add to. So I think there's definitely, mm. definitely that desire to be to put those elements in that are otherwise very recognisable kind of tropes or uh, elements.
0: And I think what really comes through in the writing and in the performances is you've got a twelfth Doctor that's midway between. The series nine, where again he's, he's kind of had some of the rough edges of series eight knocked off, um, but not quite the the much cuddlier uh, series ten Doctor yet. So he's uh, he's he, uh, quite raw from uh, you know from the end of his uh, kind of honeymoon um, with uh, with River Song. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so I think that um, that that comes across as well. It kind of occupies occupies a, a space in his timeline that, that we didn't get to see on TV. Yeah, when we did the um, premiere for um, History of Sadness
4: and we were listening to some of the 12 uh, isms in that, I just couldn't have, oh gosh, James, yeah, James really nails um, 12's voice here. There's a moment where. Um, <laughs> There's some moments where twelve's um very impatient and rude to a space racist and I think, oh that's that's, that's perfect. I love it. <laughs> that's exactly it. you've nailed his voice. Well done,
3: James. It's yeah. It's 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 sort of quite difficult to write a character who's kind but not nice. Who's trying to deal <laughs> yeah. with someone who's going going through something in a way where they're not they're not exactly emotionally super in tune. But also not a not a meanie, so it's quite difficult. But mm-hmm. I think uh, I think your performance really actually got got it just about right. Where he's mm-hmm. like he's 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 still the Doctor in that moment. That he's still the Twelfth mm-hmm. Doctor. He's not, not he's not particularly. He doesn't quite understand. He is at a distance, but he's also not mm-hmm. the he's not the Series Eight Doctor. He's not mm-hmm. like when he's telling Clara to just sort of you know get on with it kind of thing. He's actually he is actually he's learned something. But he's still not—he's still not a human being exactly.
0: And he's still punching racists by series ten as well, so that's uh, that's in tune. Well. <laughs>
1: We're completely in tune with what will come next in the show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I—I really want to praise James for uh, this um, very, um, uh, very uh, fine balance. Uh, in the the characters' writing, uh, these were the parts that were the most enjoyable to um, to perform, of course, but also the ones that you must not underestimate. You know the quips or you know the the rude moments because yes, it's partly played for laugh, but they do they do show that underneath the doctor is still a bit, uh, as you say, raw from uh, uh, grieving and uh, leave, you know leaving River to her to her fate. So, again, I was really impressed by the script and it's really only at the premiere when everybody listens to it and it's complete with the music, the sound, uh, the editing, that it all comes together. And it's like you're, because when you read the script on your own, you focus on your performance and you focus, you know, on being being accurate and being truthful and delivering. Uh, But then when you listen to the whole thing... um, I got a new um, uh, praise for the for the script, especially all the thematic um, potency mm-hmm. Saturn meaning so many things and still being relevant to the character's
2: journey, especially Ella's. Mm-hmm. If I can jump I in think... about Saturn, and this is like a bit trivia, but it's one, it's something that I just found out t- today because I was reading through Chrisa Mctiara's. Uh, blog posts that she did about the science design on this episode and I didn't realize that when Ella first arrives at Saturn and looks out and realizes she's on Saturn the sort of like la- loud, wide hum that you're getting there that's like an actual clip of Saturn itself or, or oh, rather it's uh, cool. it's, um, it's electromagnetic frequencies that got translated into sound <laughs> nice
3: which, which I think is super cool. Saturn is beautiful, but it's also it's also the creepiest planet. I think it's, yeah. it's, it's got it's got these um, hexagonal like, lightning storms that are almost perfectly hexagonal on its poles. And to yeah. me, that just it just freaks me out. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I like I like I, I liked writing about it. I don't think I'd ever want to go there if I had to choose a planet to <laughs> you know, hexagonal. Yeah, like, that's too tidy. Six know, sides on the sixth it's planet. A bit, it's a bit ridiculous, One, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, as if it
2: knows and
0: yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and do you have a favorite soundtrack coming up Dylan um, I guess hearing about the, the heist movie that one sounds like a fun one would that be one where you kind of watch a few heist movies and get some inspiration uh, I,
2: I do watch a lot of like uh Going on in the high in the high <laughs> thing, But at this rate, like I got involved with this series like coming up on two years ago now. So I've had plenty of time to steal on like, oh and what would this episode be like? So I I have like a weird hodgepodge of ideas for all of them. I th- I I do still think that the the piratical one on the high seas. Mm. We're we're just going to rip off pirates of the Caribbean. That's all <laughs> people want. It, 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 it's ju- it's just a matter of <laughs> to what extent. And like, <laughs> and like the stop the clock. Uh, the one in the far future alien city and the another planet. That's like the. I think I think it's hard to say. It's like the one real like classic sci-fi episode left so that's just going to be like a melting pot for like all the ideas in that kind of zone that i want to do with it with the series for that and like i've been thinking a lot about that and with especially with regard to like dune and what i like about the music from dune and what i find limited about the music from dune and stuff like that and uh and also like the the one about Ella's brother is like on the horizon. So I've got to, that is going to be a a kind of lighter and funnier episode. So I've got to Mm. figure out how to write music that's funny without annoying everyone like Murray Gold (laughs) kind of did.
5: (laughs)
4: And has strong feelings about Murray Gold's comedy music. Uh, it's, it's Max Kavetsky.
2: Uh, Max Kavetsky was also making fun of it because there was that. If you're not on Twitter all the time, then I'm sorry. Sorry for like a reference that's going to lose you. But like when Angela Merkel was kind of in the long process of stepping down, she receives like. Uh, a brass band performance from like the German military to send her off. And she was just obviously a little bit miserable and cold and they were performing for her. And someone edited like the rude sandstorm over it, <laughs> the, like a brass version of the rude sandstorm over it. And then like Max came in with another one, which is like, Oh, I thought we heard the end of this song. And then like he clicked down it do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it makes the point that people got that <laughs> uh, comedy music yeah yeah it's tricky <laughs> so so I'm looking forward to proving myself a hypocrite and doing the exact same thing <laughs>
4: we'll see we'll, we'll see here speaking speaking of of course didn't isn't that basically what you said you did for your i actually I I, i'm i'm just bringing this up so i want to tee up um proof yeah. um dylan wrote a delightful um it's it's possibly the thing i'm proudest of but it's the thing i feel okay saying i'm proudest of because i'm I, I don't have favorites but i'm i'm really fucking i'm really <laughs> excuse my language i'm really pleased we um did um uh yeah, the Doctor Who in um, <laughs> an adventure with Chumbly Wumbly. Um, oh, <laughs> yes. It's, um, yeah, that it was a right. little sketch. It was one of our minisodes, a little sketch yes. that Dylan wrote. And um, yeah. it was um, the Gyeong game we played, The Straight Man, to... Um, Dylan playing uh, King Chumbly M- Wumbly and me playing a bad Matt Berry impression of the meddling monk, um, basically. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it's um, yeah we um, just kind of uh, did a little. It was just a little thing that we knocked together very quickly, but it was. Um, yes. A lot of fun. I'm very proud yeah, of it. Yeah, people like that. Liked
2: that. Mm. People found that really funny. So if, if you don't listen to anything else, voice. check that out. <laughs> yes,
4: it's, it's completely standalone. <laughs> mm. Yeah, basically.
0: <laughs> yeah, I definitely recommend that too. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so if you'd like to let our listeners know where, where where we can find the series and where we can find each of you and your work online
1: okay uh who wants to go first um i can go i can go first you can find what? me on twitter uh, at william Barbe. i'm also an illustrator so i have uh, a diventard gallery as uh, shin red deer s h i n r e d d e r i do commissions uh, by the way so if anyone has uh, uh illustration needs you know you can find me there um and where can we find the show,
4: Andrew? Okay, we can find the show lots of places. You can find us on YouTube as the 12th Doctor Fan Audios. Um, very easy, type in 12th Doctor Fan Audios. You will find us, should be right at the top of the search. Um, you can find us on Twitter at at DW Fan Audios, um, that's not, at DW Fan Audios. Um, we tweet regularly there, um, and are very quick to updates when we have a new um, video um, out, a new um, episode out, um, and when there's news coming up about when there's a new episode coming out as well. Um, we're, yeah, we try, I try to keep that um, going regularly. Um, we have a website as well. Um, the 12th Doctor Fan Audios at wordpress.wordpress.com. Um, so, yes, we're on WordPress, we're on Twitter, we're on YouTube. We um, you can also find us on any local podcasting platform, uh, uh, most podcasting platforms, the main ones being Anchor, Spotify. Um, Apple Apple podcasts, yes, um, and Google podcasts. I think those would be the main four that I think people seem to listen to. I think you can find us on all of those. So yes, Trust Doctor Fan Audios. Just type that in. You should find us pretty quickly. And um, how about yourself? Great, <laughs> right, yes, me myself. Hi, <laughs> um, yeah, you can find me on at Scarves and C. Um, at twitter um I, I just tweet fandom nonsense there um if um yeah if you want to um, i also have a writing account um andrew davis writer um where you can um yeah where i share um non-fanfiction fiction that i've been writing um i, I do try to write other things um Yes, and um, you can also find um, reviews I write of um, media and pop culture, sometimes including Doctor Who, at um, the site started um, Hyperfixation Station, um, started by Dylan um, and now currently run by um, Chris
3: McTier, um our yeah, one of our main sound editors. Um, yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at jblanchard97, where I sometimes tweet about my day job, which is researching the history of political ideas, uh, but also uh, writing as well, Um, so some short stories, usually kind of science fiction, fantasy, um, at least the ones I'm not really embarrassed of. Um, I think I have, uh, have one, Snow and Embers, which is in a collection that Dylan edited. Has that been reprinted recently, or did I imagine that uh, yes
2: yes uh, I, has, yeah, to... I, I'll talk about that oh, in a second it. when I'm promoting my thing <laughs> yeah I also yeah, have yeah. mine my... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah but you can find me there at Blanchard 97 sure. great and but will I go now yep yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I believe I will. Okay, well, on Twitter you can find me at Loafers Rights, loafers is in the shoe, and rights as in the verb, where I pretend to be hyphen from Orphan55, and everyone groans at my bullshit. <laughs> 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 if you want to listen to some of the soundtrack in isolation, which, you know, maybe you do, then you can go to dillonohara.bandcamp.com. That's d-i-l-l-o-n-o-h-a-r-a .brandscap.com. Brand and also, in the realm of original fiction, I have a book out with Ark Beetle Press, which I am the president of, in fairness, called Making Spirits Bright, Halloween and Winter Tales from the Ten Thousands Dawns. It is part of the Ten Thousand Dawns franchise, Uh, created by James Wilder but it is 10,000% accessible to newcomers so (laughs) read it Uh, and it's a bit of a usual suspect situation in that I have a couple of stories in it, Uh, James Blanchard has one and Andrew also has a couple, so if you want to see us with our original fiction and science fiction hats on, then you can check that out, please Mm,
0: good Fantastic. I will put links in the show notes to uh to all of those. Uh any final Thank words you. on the um on the twelve talks fan audios?
3: Please
4: listen. Yes, please listen. <laughs> it's uh, um, it's yeah, we um we um yeah, it's we've um so many talented people have put um Yeah, so much work into this. Um, Yeah, I can't say thank you enough to all of them. Um, They all give their time and energy for free, and I'm still staggered that they do um, after all this time. Um, Yeah, no, um, do listen to the episodes that we've got out so far. We're very proud of them. Um, Yeah, like this last one, I'm really pleased it's made its way into the world um and yeah i'd love to yeah um if you are enjoying this series um yeah do consider you know liking retweeting spreading the words like word of mouth is how um podcasts like this one um get get out there basically get their name out there um and yeah but and yeah, don't and do leave a comment on youtube it's just it's also just nice to know that people are listening um yes. And, yes, also, we've got some new episodes coming out very shortly. Um, I, I should hope we've got um, a little um, a new minisode coming soon, written by our very own Christa Mactyre. And, um, yes, that's going to be fun. And then episode six. So hopefully, before too long, new stories are coming. So um, stay tuned. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to jump in and say, before we finish up, that, like,
2: I'm involved in a lot of actual writing projects that pay me money so I could if I chose to punch the clock on this after five episodes <laughs> but I'm I'm not doing that because this just rules it's like a very cool and exciting project and I'm still like really proud to be a part of it and I, I, I just really enjoy it so take that as endorsement
0: <laughs> you, know, you can absolutely tell what a labour of love it is and, and how much hard work goes into them um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm thoroughly really enjoying the series and I can't wait to hear more.
4: Thank you very much, Mark.
0: No thank, thank, thank you, you for, sure. t- for taking the time to speak to us. And um, thank you, everyone at home, for listening. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Bye.
4: Bye. Hi. Thank you very much for having us. Don't Goodbye. forget to subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>